the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. All right, Greens, this is a special treat. Let's bring in a Jets fan who's working down south right about now, and that's uh, Ralph Macchio, who, Ethan, this guy continues to be big in his acting career, but when I was growing up, it was all about the Karate Kid. And here he is, Ralph Macchio. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great to be on, guys. Thanks so much, man. It's fun. Hey, a Long Island native, Ralph. Grew up in Huntington, New York. Of course, that's Strong Island, Long Island. Strong Island. Can you describe your Jets fandom uh, coming up as a youngster? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I uh, early day remembrance is probably, I would say, uh, some of the earliest sports memories. Well, it was a, it was a big year, 69, with... Uh, uh, the New York Mets on the baseball side, but the the New York Jets on on the football side. I mean, you know, I had my it's it's recently past Halloween, and I I was Joe Namath one like at eight years old, you know, with the big shoulder pads and the just the ninety eight and ninety eight probably probably uh, sixty five pound weakling at the time, maybe fifty two pound weakling at the time. <laughs> Um, dressed up as Namath and uh, had the, all the all the posters up, Emerson Boozer and all those uh, all those guys back in the uh, I'm dating myself, but back in the the heyday of of that that amazing uh, time. And then through the through the seasons, uh, you know, up in, until uh, you know back in when I used to freeze my butt off at, at Shea Stadium, uh, just freezing uh, <laughs> watching a, a handful of games back in the. I would say 70s, 80s, then into the you know into the sack exchange years, and so I'm I'm always there. What was that connection? Why was it in Long Island that hey, listen, you're growing up and you're about Ralph Macchio's age, you're probably picking the Jets, the Mets, and the Islanders, and vice versa. If you're going old school, you probably are picking the Giants the New York Rangers hockey-wise, and, of course, the New York Yankees. Right. I think, I don't know, for me, I think it was, uh, first of all, I mean, when I was, you know, uh, I was in grade school, you know, early grade school, those were the teams that were good. Uh, The Islanders, not yet. They hadn't, Islanders didn't start until 72, but as a Long Islander, that was uh, uh, our own team. I mean, it was our backyard, suburban, uh, major sports team, so that's why I, I hooked into the Islanders, and it didn't take long for them to uh, win a Stanley Cup in within, uh, you know, within eight years. But uh, as far as the Jets, you know, it mentioned 1969 around that time, and the Mets as well. Those were those those had the back page and front page of all the newspapers. So I think that probably uh, lend itself to me going in that direction at a young age. I hope you're aware of this because I wasn't until rather recently that you have your own bobblehead in an Islanders uniform. Yes, I do. That one's off the bucket list. Yeah, they, they were very cool. You know, listen, I go all in as a fan, as, as anyone in the, the Jets organization could say. I've always, you know, anytime I can get out to the games and, and any time I can watch them and, and follow the team, I, I really am a big sports fan. And with the Islanders, they, they did the 
uh, promotion last year, and it really was a big success, and it was a lot of fun um, to sort of uh, pay homage to uh, to the Daniel LaRusso character, but keep him a hockey player, um, and it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, even with the Jets, I did the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant a couple of years ago uh, at the center of the... Uh, you know, of, of, of the gridiron, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I share an office with our senior director of commerce, that's Chris Pierce, and maybe I can work on getting you a Jets bobblehead. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm all, I would love to have my three favorite teams, uh, you know, at the head of the desk, you know, we're just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in for, for uh, participating and bringing attention to the teams that I've always rooted for, despite sometimes complaining about each organization for some reason as the fan because uh, you always want to be better all the time. That's just passion. You're, you're in your 50s now, but I consider yourself a youngster just like me, but you are a dad. Have you passed on your Jets fandom to your children? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. They all, they're, they're in my daughter. Is, uh, she's 25 now, believe that or not. My son is 22. Unbelievable. Uh, just recently. It's crazy, but it, it is true. Uh, it's, it, it, I don't understand it since I'm only in my mid-30s, but, um, <laughs> uh, or at least in my mind. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's great to share all that stuff. I mean, they share the frustrations as well, and uh, it, it's all good. It's all good fun in, in the crazy world we, uh, we live in to just, you know, rally around something that's, that's uh, that's fun that you could all do together. That's what I love about sports. And, you know, what sports could do with a city like Houston, what they've just been through, yeah. it's nice to see people able to come together on something that's, uh, you know, in the backdrop of such tragedy to a city that a city can rally like that. And, uh, you know, that's one of the great things that sports does. If you could work with any current and former Jet, who would it be and why? <laughs> I could know. see you working with Bart Scott. Bart Scott, yeah. If I could get in one word edgewise. <laughs> uh, but um, I would say, you know, I was a big Freeman McNeil fan back in that midsection of time for some reason. Uh, I, I used to really enjoy. Oh, another thing that's funny, I forget I had a, um, I guess it was Sean Green when we beat the Patriots in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, he put uh, the Patriots to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 that was like my, me and my son both had that ringtone of that, that play call. Oh, from Bob and, with uh, shoes in. I gotta tell, we, I gotta tell White Shoes with shoes in about that. I love that. Yeah, we had that for a little while, and then we also even my, my, uh, I believe my, my daughter, who's not the biggest football fan, at one point had the can't wait. Uh, uh, you know, had the Bart Scotts can't wait. You know, anybody can be beat. You know, I love that that uh, that. Yeah, you're certainly right about that. So Ralph, what projects are you currently working on right now? What what can you tell me uh, about the Deuce season yep. two? And then uh, well, go with that first, and then we'll get to the other show later. <laughs> yeah, the other show is happening right now, and it's big news. The Deuce has been the Deuce has been. Uh, uh, just a great experience where season two starts up, uh, I believe, in February uh, production-wise. So it'll be a solid year before before that, that yeah, comes out. But it is such a critical uh, success and so such a well-done, 
uh, drama by David Simon and George Pelotanos. Those guys did The Wire, and they're just phenomenal writers. And it's top shelf creatively. It's early '70s. It it, uh, it really uh, the authenticity of that time and that era. Because like as we're mentioning, you know, the the Jets back in the, the late '60s, early '70s. I remember that time as a kid. And I remember that area of New York City, Times Square, and it it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't um, you know the Lion King and Aladdin like it is now. It was a different uh, different times. So I played this vice cop on the show, and this was when the police department was certainly uh, uh, crooked and on the take, as everyone else was, and and uh, and, and making money off of uh, you know not quite uh, uh, honorable things. Um, but the Deuce is a, a, a great project to be involved with. I don't, I bet it's, I, a, you know, not a big role in it, but I got to be in five of the eight episodes, and I'm proud to be part of it, and they didn't kill me off yet. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other show, which is the biggest news going on right now for me, is uh, you mentioned the Karate Kid earlier and Daniel LaRusso and that the legacy of that character and that film and the pop culture that it has become over more than three decades now. Wax on, wax off. Um, we are shooting a show uh, called Cobra Kai, and, uh, and that will be out on YouTube Red, which is a premium service. Everything is streaming television now, being Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and now YouTube. Um, um, and it's, uh, it's 30 years uh, plus later, um, Johnny Lawrence, the, played by William Zabka, who was the uh, blonde-haired bully who was kicked in the face with the infamous crane kick. Yes. The one move that I had in my arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we crossed paths 30 years later, and it's, uh, he opens, he's go, heading to open the Cobra Kai Dojo, but uh, a very successful Daniel LaRusso will not let that happen on his watch. And, uh, and great, great stories ensue. Um, it's it's and it also we also infuse a whole new high school generation uh, for 2018 um, on on the relevance of what what it, life is like at that age and with through martial arts and also what bullying is in today's day and age versus what it was in 1984. Um, it's much more complicated now and so but it is a, a lot of comedic elements to it, a lot of heart and soul and nostalgia, but. You know, whether you're a fan of the movie or not, this show should be very entertaining for everyone. But if you are a fan of the movie, it will get your geek on as far as a fan because we will pepper in uh, little pieces of, of great callbacks to what created uh, that franchise. And um, it was just the right time. Yeah. And the, 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 it's the right time to do it. I've said no for 30 years. The writers who created this concept... Um, really have a handle on it, and uh, and it was fresh and original, and it's the perfect time for it. And the the groundswell of attention it's been getting just from people in anticipation, it's uh, it's exciting. So the scripts are good, and it'll be out. Uh, it looks like this spring, ten episodes, and that's uh, hopefully season one of many. Well, we shall see. Well, we're wishing you luck in that production. But hey, where is most of that being shot right now? It's being shot in Atlanta and some Los Angeles. Um, it takes place in Los Angeles, um, as is the case of uh, the business. It's show business, not always show art. And uh, the tax incentives to shoot in Atlanta 
uh, and in around Georgia are, are why there are 40 productions in Atlanta right now, including Ant-Man and the Avengers and the Stranger Things and the Walking Dead. And the, it's just become like Hollywood South. Wow. And for us, we're going to go to Los Angeles and shoot the larger exterior pieces um, so you could tie in uh, the two together. So 1984, when you finished up that movie, how old were you? And at that time, Ralph, were you thinking... Uh, yeah, this is going to be a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, no, none of us, none of us n knew. Uh, we didn't have a clue. The director has gone on record and say, saying that, and uh, myself as well. We didn't, we thought, you know, it was going well. We felt, I certainly felt that my scenes with, uh, with Pat, the late great Pat Morita were, had a special quality to them, but as far as, I mean, you cannot, you know, if you could sign up and create this all the time, you'd, there'd be a lot more hits out there, you know. This is just one of those that just hit at the right time, the right cast, the right filmmakers, the right script. And uh, I was 21 turned 22 at the time. Um, I, You know, on the Machio curve, you always have to pull eight years <laughs> of my, I, I played 16 for 37 years is always my joke. Um but so I was um, the perennial 16-year-old uh, for, for a very long time. And uh, it just, we didn't know. We did not know. I will say this much. When we saw the film for the first time in a packed house, the producer, it's a story I've told many times, the producer, uh, Jerry Weinshaw, leaned over to me and, uh, when we walked outside and saw people doing the crane pose in the street and on their, you know, on park benches and whether they were 10 years old or 50 years old he said we're going to be making a couple of these and so you kind of knew when you walked out of the theater wow. that there was it's just like when you're singing the the lead song of a great musical that's when you know you have a hit so uh but who knew that get him a body bag <laughs> the leg and wax on wax off would be like in the dictionary now get him a body bag Hey, uh, do people still stop you at the airport when you're flying uh, between Atlanta, New York, and L.A. and say, hey, man, there's the Karate Kid? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, something, uh, it's something that I, that I carry proudly on my, my shoulder. Um, it's, you know, and listen, it's a he's a great character. He was the every kid next door back in the day. And I think that's one of the reasons it has worked in, and, and, and uh, continues to, to hold up because he represented a piece of all of us. He had no business winning anything. So the fact that he succeeded and overcame those obstacles. And, Sounds like uh, the Jets you know, in 1969. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get to, listen, sports analogies, I use it. I use them every day. Hey, uh, I mean, every day. my thing about you is you're sitting here now 55 years old. You played so many different roles over the years. How challenging was it post-Karate Kid for a while to be uh, cast in a new role? And ultimately, by this time, uh, you're obviously way beyond that now. Now you're playing cops who were on the take in New York City <laughs> in the 70s. But, uh, right. The, the, what about the challenge of that? Moving on from it. Well, it's it's uh, listen. They they're always you know uh, uh, scenarios where you're on a stereotype or pigeonholed in casting, and you're constantly needing to reinvent yourself um, creatively and also in the minds of 
of uh, of the audience, and then the studios and or networks, the people, the buyers, if you will, you know, they categorize. I mean, it was just, it's, it, it is challenging. It's, I always tell the story with My Cousin Vinny, which was a film that, I really had to go in, and and I didn't have to win over the director and producer, but the studio was just a blanket. Nah, you don't want him. He was, you know, that. You were fantastic uh, in it, that movie. Thank you very much. I mean, and and it was, but that was that's a story. That's the classic story. Is I just I just came off sort of the arc of of a big success and and had a little bit of that lull time. There's always ebbs and flows and. And so on the list, for whatever reason, to play an Italian from New York as Joe Pesci's uh, cousin didn't make casting sense, which is kind of hideous. Um, and uh, but, you know, yeah, so I had to get in there and I had, uh, you know, I, I, it was a fight. And then, but as soon as I, I went in audition for the director who was an England from England, and he says, I don't understand what the problem is. This guy this is the perfect guy for the part. What did you like and, most uh, about that role? Uh, about my cousin Vinny? Yeah. The role is because I, I felt I knew I, I felt like I knew that guy. I I, I never took the cross country trip from uh, from you know as as they were doing, and I never got caught stealing uh, tuna in Beecham County, Alabama. <laughs> but but and I never shot the clerk. But I I felt like I I, I connected to that guy. I knew Joe Pesci. Uh, from running into him, uh, I was working on Broadway with Robert De Niro in a play in 1986 called Cuban is Teddy Bear, and Joe came to see the play a few times, and that's how I got to know him. So I, I felt a little all in the family there. The best part of being involved with that that film is, one, it has become, it's one of those films that I call it the late-for-dinner movie. Anytime it's on, you're going to be late for dinner because you just can't watch one scene only. And uh, and the, and the, the birth of Marissa Tomei and that, that spectacular performance, it's just anytime you could be in something. I look at The Outsiders, another film that that has sort of stood that test of time. I got I got lucky on a couple of them back in the day, and they still uh, resonate somewhat. So you deal with the typecast the best you can, and uh, and just try to continue doing good work. And you can't control it all. All you can control is the amount of uh, focus, energy, passion you put into anything you do. I have, uh, I've been a victim of the Late for Dinner movie because of my cousin Vinny multiple times. So I, I really like that analogy. I'm going to start using that. Do you get, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's one of those ones. Listen, you, you turn it on, and like you said, Ralph, like, this movie's great. This is a classic part. Don't move. No, okay, we're supposed to eat at 7. We yep. end up eating at 9. That's it, right. Because it's the payoffs. They... they, they the this the setups all pay off and lead into the next and it and the hurdles get bigger and bigger for the yeah. for the protagonist for the Joe Pesci character. Karate Kid has that too, where you just you know everything that's set up, be it the doing the chores, on the waxing the car, and sanding the deck, and painting the fence, pay off. And my cousin Vinny, I you know interestingly has those parallels, but in a comedic way. All right, listen, you have an open invitation, as you should know, and I hope you do know by now. To come here to the facility anytime you want. You're going to come to the game. I know you're a busy man. We're going to be checking out The Deuce Season 2, and that's on HBO, where you're playing a cop. Um, and also, Cobra Kai is coming out in the spring. You're working hard on that. So we know, obviously, you got a demanding schedule, but you are a passionate Jets fan. So you are welcome home anytime you want. And 
my last question for you at Ralph Macchio on Twitter is what are the secrets to looking so young, so youthful <laughs> at your young age of 55? Well, yeah, I know. And I, I have a birthday around the corner and literally within the next couple of days, uh, I, it's, I blame my parents. It's their fault. They did this, <laughs> you know. I mean, I would love to have the magic potion, um, a decently clean lifestyle. Decently. Okay. I enjoy that. I enjoy that adult beverage when I when you should I, uh, look forward to, <laughs> and I do. And uh, certainly on a football Sunday, it's always the, the, the sweeter. But for the most part, I uh, try to lead a clean, healthy life best I can. And uh, but it's good genes. I mean, I just um, you know my parents are in. Uh, pushing 80, and they they look like they're in their mid 60s, uh, you know. And so, uh, so I got uh, I got cursed with that blessing. Let's put it that way. All right, so keep or blessed with that curse. Keep on living clean, Ralph. But uh, when you come up here, I'll buy you a couple pops because you deserve it. Oh, man, I, lo I look forward to that. I wish I, I wish I had more weekends to get up there this year. I I, uh, I love getting out to the games and, and being there for the warm-ups on the field. And I brought my family out a few times, and we have some great memories from that. And we will do more of that uh, when, I'm, when I'm back up there. Thanks so much. Great catching up with you. All right, guys. Enjoy, man. Be well. All right, there you have it. Make sure to stay tuned. As EA said, we got Inside the Jets every Monday. We got the game preview later in the week. And then, of course, now... We got the celebrity section here. We cover all your bases on the official Jets podcast. That's all we got for Eric Allen, Ralph Macchio, and Ethan Greenberg.